Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days, there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. And then Jesus said, John 8. <laughs> you think it's going to be 32? Well, you're wrong. John 8, 34. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. That's right. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion Podcast. And uh, we've had a busy week, a couple of weeks here, so a lot of things kind of got left off to the side, uh, and the podcast was one of them. But, you know, I don't want to unload too much on you all at once. Uh, I, could do a, I could do this every day. I love to talk about the Bible. I love to study it with you. I want to bring people hope. I want to I help build up your faith. I want to help to make you be able to look at your neighbor with love, the real love. Not that, oh, yeah, I love my neighbor. You know, do you love him like you love your dog? or your cat, or your parakeet, your pet groundhog, whatever? Do you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself? There is a serious lacking in the church today of preaching against this putting self way ahead of everything. And, and, and it shows in a narcissistic society. And I'm not pointing at anyone in particular just get get that we all have it we all have that little bend in us somewhere that jesus wants to straighten back out he wants you to deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow him but when you say things like that from a pulpit or or uh wherever what do you get i'll tell you what i got i got kicked out of a pulpit that's all right though i didn't want to be there I didn't, I didn't put myself out for a vote. I was asked to. And just as quickly, I was, see ya. <laughs> you, know what, you, you know when you're catching all the flack, you're right over the target. Now, today, this is Wednesday. I'm sorry. It is Wednesday. It is February. And it is the 22nd 
we've cracked February pretty quick, haven't we? And that's a good thing. I'm, I'm like I said, tell my wife a little bit ago. I, I don't, I don't really get upset when February's gone because March comes, and here in the eastern part of Ohio, it starts to uh, show signs that maybe the 60s are still, you know, the temperature-wise, 60 degree days start to slip in a little bit more prevalently. Now we've had a really uh, mild winter i don't know the lord's been gracious or or we're going to be inundated with stink bugs this year i don't know which but because uh, usually if you don't have a nice cold winter in here in ohio your your bug season gets a little bit deeper but uh, we're not here to talk about weather or bugs i was just bringing up the date the 22nd of february wednesday middle of the week hump day they used to call it and today Trump is coming to a little town about 20 miles away from me called East Palestine. Oh, I have, you know, I'm on both sides of this fence. I I know I'm not really, uh, I'm not really good at being one of those guys that walks the fence. You know, my, my friends that know me well will say, no, one thing Tom's not is a, is a, is one of those guys that topples either way that, on this one, maybe I am. Maybe there will be some good come from it. But let me ask you this, Mr. Trump, if you're listening, and I know you're not, are you bringing a message to to puff yourself up? Look at me, I'm here, and Joe Biden didn't make it. Look at me, I'm here, and Pete Buttigieg didn't make it, and probably won't. Yeah, you I'll know, give our governor as a not a big fan, but I'll give him credit. He came down. He actually drank the tap water. But, you know, I, I'm sure they found a way to you know, cleanse his system of the vinyl chloride that's floating around in that top water. Tap water. To tell you it's safe. All right, drink a gallon of it. Take it Take it with you. There was a there was a guy on the news today, uh, or well, it was last, yesterday, but you know I watch it late, and he was saying from from East Palestine, and uh, he said that his dehumidifier he has running has pulled, you know, it pulls what a, if you don't know what that is, a dehumidifier takes water from the air, and it puts it into a little bucket there on its mine's hooked up to a hose, it goes right down into the sump. But, you know, if you don't have that, you, you just catch it and then you pour out the water. And he said the, when he emptied it or his wife emptied it, there was a sheen of something across the top of that water. That's not totally unheard of, but uh, in the, I, I've been to the little town. I've been through it many times before this happened, but I was down there just the other day and and. I have to tell you, we stopped and ate on the way home at uh, our little restaurant. Went in, you know, and you know how it is when you're away from something and then you go back to it, you know, you may not notice, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're in a room full of uh, uh, a fume of some type and you leave the room, then you come back, you notice it more. When we got back in my truck, it smelled like paint thinner, just slightly. Now, I'm not trying to be dramatic. That's not my game. But, you know, we were down there for probably an hour. And uh, just that amount of time, you know, even if it was even that long. But uh, just that amount of time, uh, yeah, there was a faint hint of something in the cab of my pickup truck. So just, you know, there's the people that are saying that they, they they're affected and they can smell it in the air, and it's, they say towards the evening it gets worse, I guess because maybe it's clearer air at night, you know, it gets cooler. But whatever the case may be, there is a problem. Now, is Donald J. Trump going to fix the problem? No, he's not. Uh, this is not a problem that can be fixed by man, I don't think. It's, this is a serious problem. You know, environmentally, it's, it's probably shot. Uh, now spiritually, that's what I'm all about. And if you're from East Palestine, I hope you are. If you're listening to me, our hearts are with you and I haven't forgotten about you. 
And uh, I've got a lot of other people that are in your corner, and they're they're here to help. They're gonna we're gonna do what we can. Uh, this is what Christians do. They reach out. You know, they get get out of your pew, okay? If you can't make it, it's understandable. A lot of people they have they have mobility issues or or other things, or they're too far away, whatever it may be. But you know, there's ways to to help these people. I don't care where you are. If you're listening to me right now, my email address that you can uh, you can send me all kinds of hate mail, even if you want to, it's attached to this podcast. And if you don't know it, it is removing confusion, just like it sounds. One word, though, run it all together like an email address. Removing confusion at protonmail.com. P R O T O N M A I L dot com. If you want to help, let me know. I'll, I'll tell you how you can. I will try to remember because I sometimes forget things to uh, throw some links of some organizations down in East Palestine that are doing good work and trying to help their community. And you can donate through different ways to them. The thing that uh, one organization I dealt with, they want food. They have plenty of water right now because water's been an issue. There's a lot of water coming into town. So, But uh, don't, don't forget them after a month. This thing is going to be an impact on them for probably the rest of their lives down there. This junk that they dropped on them is horrific. Now, having said that, like I said, Donald Trump will be there today. I don't know what he's going to do, probably have a rally or a speech. Well, I'll tell you what, if he, if he can handle it, good for him. This is Ohio. We Ohioans know how to handle our weather. It's nasty out there right now, rainy and wet and cold, and I'm inside staying where a smart man would. Um, but the mayor down there says, I want no politics out of this. I just want help. I want this thing to be fixed whatever way we can to help my community. That's a good mayor. And he says, I, the politics, keep it out. And that's, that's an awesome place to be. Now, I think you know by now that with me, at straight shooting, um, I don't dislike anybody i dislike things people do but i don't really dislike them because we're all created in well we started out six thousand or so years ago as images of god adam and eve were created in the image of god now when adam fell uh it does say that we are now created in adam's image 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 jesus came and gave us the perfect sacrifice which then again switches us back at those of us who follow him and want to be like him and as an imitator or a christ follower whatever makes you feel the best in what you can say but you know here's the thing he's given us the ability to turn that adam image back around to back it off Now, will we ever stop sinning? That is an absolute no. We will still sin. Will we live in sin? Will we practice sin? That is up to you. That is called willful sinning or iniquity. And people don't like that. They want to be able to do what they want to do. I call this Tom's tipping of the sacred cows. Because there's people out there that just want to say, you know, I did my thing. I knelt and prayed. I asked for forgiveness. Now I'm going to just go right back to where I, where I came from. Um, Jesus gave up everything for you. Are you not willing to give up that petty little thing that you are so attached to? Whether it be, you know, that cr- crap music that's out there or, or shacking up with somebody or, 
or playing the game behind the wife's back. Uh, oh, it goes on and on. You know, there, some of those sins are sins unto death that Paul wrote about. He said, you were like this at one time to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, just about, if I'm right off the top of my head. He said, you were like these. But some still are. They don't want to give up all that stuff, the pornography and the, and the fornication and the adultery and the stealing, no matter what it may be. Now, you know, if you take a pen home from work, I've heard guys say, that's stealing. Well, it is, but I really don't think that's the, uh, the case in point that, that God had in mind was you steal a paper clip or a pen. Now, if you habitually do it just to do it, then that might be something else. But you stick one in your pocket and walk out, or you go to the bank and you and you do the same. Now, they, most of those are on chains anymore, so you can't get away with it. Or they just don't use pens at all, you know. We're, we're doing everything E, or, you know, push a button, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you know, those, those kind of things I think we can discount as being, you know, a habitual sinner. But you can't live a life of habitual practicing of sin and then say, I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of the king. Now, people need to be taught. That's the big deal. They need to be taught. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to play you, I'm going to play you a, a little montage I put together of a fella that I, I like a lot. And his name's Carter Conlon. I, I threw this uh, video at my buddy Mike the other day, and I said, "Watch this one." And he says, "Boy, he really gets, he gets into it there, doesn't he?" And he does, and he 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 does some sacred cow tipping as well in this message. Uh, I I'll try to remember as well to post that whole thing, but right now I'm just going to give you about. Oh, it can't be that long. It says 20 minutes on here. I don't think we're going to go that long, but um, it's well worth some of it anyway. So hang in there. Carter Conlon, run for your life. And what will you do in the end thereof? The word end in Hebrew means in the last days. What will you do? What will you do? In other words, you've been led in a gospel of natural, of natural strength. What will you do? When all hell breaks out in the face of the earth, what will you do? What will you do in the last days? They will buy into it readily. The unsaved will buy into it because they can feel very comfortable there and they can still prosper and live immoral lives and never be challenged by the word of God. It's a quick work. You see, folks, that which is of God always, that which is not of God always has no durable foundation. There's a cornerstone we must fall on. And, the, and Jesus said, we must be broken on that cornerstone. The brokenness means we must be fashioned and made into the image of that stone. If we're not exactly as the stone is, then the wall as it goes up will, will be crooked. It will start off one degree. By the time it gets to the top, it will fall over. And that's why many of these, these so-called churches of Jesus Christ rise up so fast and seem to go so high, so far, and you look down the road 15, 20 years, and you just have a trail of disillusioned people and an empty building full of unclean birds. I was crying out to God. I said, God, oh, Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom. Then these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in a falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict, but running into the conflict and say, run for your life. Run from gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run. Run from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run. Run from gospels that only focus on self-improvement. How can I? Three steps to a better personality. Three steps to this and forth. Run. 
Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run! Body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean thing! Run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean. Run! Run from churches where the worship leaves you cold. There is no sense of God because they don't know God. Run! Just an inside note there. Are you, are you in a church where the worship leaves you cold? Now, people equate worship with that period of, in time of singing. It's not. Praise and worship in a church service is every part of it. The singing, the preaching, the praying, the fellowship. If you leave that church and you don't feel some kind of heat, some kind of fire, some kind of a, a warmth of being someplace that is a little bit different than the uh, restaurant you go later, you need to find someplace else. Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. That's a table of devils. If you come in the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. I was crying out to God. I said, God, oh, Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in a falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict, but running into the conflict and saying, run for your life. Run from gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run! Run from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from gospels that only focus on self-improvement. How can I... Three steps to a better personality. Three steps to this and forth. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run! Body of Christ, run! Get out! Don't touch the unclean thing. Run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run! It's unclean! Run! Run from churches where the worship leaves you cold. There is no sense of God because they don't know God. Run! Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. That's a table of devils. If you come in the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run!
Run, get out, turn it off, get away from it. They know nothing of God. Run from ungodly spasmodic movements and endless empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. All right, that last part, I guess I... <laughs> Sometimes you're cutting, pasting things together, you double up. But maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Why don't you hear that again? I believe that. Because those things that he says, you know, you, you, are you going to church for entertainment? If you are, you're there for the wrong reason. We go to church as Christians to get the filth of the world washed off of us for that hour or so that we're there. We go there because we're going to hear the pure word of God. And I don't mean the King James Version of the Bible. That, that argument has gone by the wayside with me. There are versions of the Bible that I believe are just as accurate or at least usable. I do use the King James. Everybody knows that. I have no problem with it. I have a problem with people who say things that just sound so stupid. I know people who may have never read from the KJV. Maybe they were saved in a church that uses the New American Standard. I don't care if it's a New Living Translation. If you've gotten saved, you're saved. It's not what book you carry in your hand or in your iPhone or wherever. Now, I think for accuracy's sake, King James is probably the best. But that doesn't say that I won't use another one. Sometimes when we sit down here uh, and, and you know, I can read you a verse... And I'm going to. Luke 9.23. And Jesus, it says he, but it says, And Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That is the King James Version of that verse, that verse that tells you, I'm tired of hearing you talk about you. You need to take you and put you on the cross. Now, we've said this before, and you've heard it many times. Back in the day when Jesus would said that, they knew what that meant. They knew that, just like Ravenhill says in the, in the uh, intro to my program, uh, when a man was on the cross, he, he gave himself up. I mean, that's I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, but that's, that's the God's honest truth. You know, he, he's done. He, he's not in control of himself anymore. And he says very plainly, and if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll give up your freedom to something that that effect. Now, God doesn't want you to lose your liberty. He gives you liberty. But he takes you and unbinds you from sin. He says, I want you to go and sin no more. Whatever your big one is, I want you to stay away from it. The New American Standard Version 1995 says in that same verse that we just read, Luke 9, 23, and he was saying to them all. Now, I like one thing about the other versions that the, the digmats like to say, all their perversions, is they knew enough to capitalize things like he, so you knew in the middle of a sentence who he was, or even a me or a him. You know, in the King James, you have to explain it to some people that when he said, and it's not capitalized, it's Jesus talking. But anyway, New American Standard 95. 
And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Not a lot of difference. Except the words like must are thrown in there. He must deny himself. It's not a it's not like he's giving you a choice. Now, the King James is very nicely put let him deny himself. Now, Jesus said in this version, which I believe is pretty good, you must. Then he said this is a new living translation. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. ESV, pretty much the same thing. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's really close to... Uh, the King James Version. Now, the the thing where that really gets people wrapped around the axles is some of these versions uh, delete certain passages of Scripture. And that what they do is they footnote them. Now, I don't agree with that. I, I think if, you know, but they're, they're using a different text. There's the Masoretic text, and then there's the Alexandrian text, and you can get into all kinds of the weeds on that one, and, and people will throw rocks at you today that's a that's the equivalent of being stoned is uh when you you know uh step across that threshold of the king james version maybe not the only version right oh no you can't say that out loud you'll be we'll we'll castigate you you'll be excommunicated from the church sometimes i think they might be doing me a favor Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. It's funny, there's no talk about being vacuumed into the sky. And I know I'm not getting I'm not getting invited to any uh, churches of the modern day anytime soon to do a lot of preaching. <clears throat> I believe that sometimes we need to skin ourselves. We need to get we need to get right right down to it. Get right into the to the meat and potatoes of our lives. And it's not between me and a priest or me and a preacher, I wouldn't tell a preacher, most preachers, I, pastors, I wouldn't tell them much of anything because uh, there's some that I would trust back in the day. There's a, there's a guy I, 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 I knew a while back, uh, and he's, uh, he's here in Ohio as well. He's down in Steubenville. And he was one of those guys, and he says, hey, man, you know, when people tell me something, I'm a vault. I won't even tell the wife. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I know other guys that, you know, you tell them something and they they just blab it all over the place. And then they sit there and look out across the pews and wonder why nobody's there. I'm not here to air anyone's dirty laundry except my own. And I really don't do that. You don't, you don't need to know just how bad I can be. That's between me and the Lord. There's some interesting things that were said, though, in that clip or that hashing together, whatever you want to call it, that I did. Now, if you want to find that that full sermon, it was he did that the Sunday after 9-11. So it's, it's 22 years old, something like that, 21 years old. 
and he hit nails on heads. He talked to, he, it starts off with a text from, uh, I think it's first Kings and he's talking about Elijah and, and the prophets of Baal and all this kind of stuff. And, and the, the man's a, a, he, in a genius way, he went right down that path to the stuff that I played for you. The, as my buddy said, passionate part, he really just got the hammer out and started nailing it. He said some things that, you know, we have to, as Christians take into consideration do you feel comfortable sitting in a church knowing? Now, you know you. You know you. I know me. And I can't, I, I, you know, I'm getting to that point in life where uh, in my walk with God where I can't just feel comfortable doing anything. Uh, I want to, no, I shouldn't say it that way. I wanted to make this plain. I can't feel comfortable doing just anything. You know, I, I can't just say, well, that's okay. I, you know, I, I had my, my time with God, you know, 33 or so years ago, 35 years ago. And now I can just do whatever I want. I, I lived a life like that sometimes, even after I got saved, I'd have a, I'd have a beer once in a while, maybe more than I should. Yeah, it's happened. Smoked cigarettes. Yeah, I did. After after I made a confession to Christ, after I knelt, after he uh, grabbed me, I still was wrestling with me, not with him, wrestling with me. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm just telling you straight up. But then he really, really, said you need to stop and then put a pin in it you can't live like this and say you believe in me now for those of you who say you can't hear the words of god in your ear you can if the holy ghost lives within you don't you think he can communicate with you in a way that no one else can? I've heard guys say that, and they're they're mostly all uh, super Calvinistic, expialidocious, right? And I'm not talking about any Calvinist in particular, but the ones who really adhere to a cessationistic type of uh, theology that says God doesn't, deal with people like he did then and i keep bringing you right on back to malachi 3 6 i am the lord and i change not so he changed when he didn't he still interacts with his people but after christ and the indwelling of the holy spirit and i i you know i'm talking my buddy again uh, somebody wrote a book that said that's not true, that the, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't live within you. Well, I'm sorry. There's an awful lot of evidence that says he does. And I know he does because when I'm wrong, when I do things, say things, act things, whatever it may be, he really hits me. When you don't feel that anymore, when you can do what you wish, and you know, you know deep down somewhere that that immoral act that you're playing with doesn't bother you, and you can just keep doing it, you got a problem. Because one thing, all you did was get that whole Romans Road salvation thing. Now, that's, that, that's awesome. We need that. You can't do anything on the wrong side of salvation. Let's put it that way, the wrong side of the cross. But the problem is, is many times we make it to the cross, and that's where we stop. There is a tomb where the old man has to die, and God raises up the new one. Jesus isn't still on the cross and neither should his followers be. 
me say that again, and this is for you that adhere to a, Catho- a Roman Catholicism, if you would be so gracious to listen. Jesus is not still on the cross, and neither should you be. Yes, we need to take up the cross. He's just saying at that point, let him deny himself and take up his cross. When you took up that cross, that just meant you've given up all that stuff that, that was you. You're putting the old man to death, but the new man has to be brought to life. And only, listen to me, only God can do that. As it says, this, the same God, the same spirit that, rose, that, that brought Jesus out of the grave, is that same spirit that lives within you. And that's something that we have to really chew on, I guess. That's something that we need to get our heads wrapped around, is the same spirit is the one that lives within us. Are we willing to accept that? Or are we just going to keep playing those games? <clears throat> and uh, that was one of those things that I, I just yanked out. The Holy Spirit threw it to me. And I, I, I honestly, at this point in time, <laughs> don't know exactly where that verse is that says that same spirit that that wrote that gave jesus that that brought him back from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you but we know it we know it's true we have a very unique religion We have a very unique belief system. And that system is that we have a God who became flesh. Now, other other belief systems out there, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Islamism, uh, they all have either a great prophet or they have someone who was the big cookie in their in their uh, pile there that came out and gave them all the wonderful words buddha and you know krishna and all these others but they died and you've heard this said many times i'll say it again they died and went in the ground and they stayed there they they may be dust now some of those guys were around you know long long time ago our god came in flesh. His name was Jesus. He was sent by his father. He went through life just like you and I do. He had the same aches and pains. He may have been a glorified human being, a person who was of the father, but he had the same limitations to a certain degree. He had to grow up. Go through the growing pains. He had to honor his mother and his earthly father. He had to uh, make a living at one point. And they say, "This, who's this? Is, is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary and his brothers and sisters are here with us? So people knew him in his area. But they, did, they couldn't accept him for who he was, who, who, capital W, who he was, the Son of God. They couldn't quite wrap their brains around it. And I'm going to tell you something. To this day, 
people can't wrap their brains around it because theologians, and I say that dripping with sarcasm, because theology is a study of God. And most of the study of God, I think, comes outside of the Bible. So they don't know God. And that's, that's what, that, was a, that was one of those judgment calls that, that Carter Conlon used in that thing that I had, that you, know, you go and sit in these places, they're cold. They're full of nothing but mirth. That's joking and stories. No Bible. Or they'll oh, they always give you a Bible, don't they? Read you a verse and then phew, off, the, off the tracks we go. No pun intended as we think of our friends in East Palestine because there's no time for jokes there. But it is much the same. You can take the analogy, if you wish, that when men are at the helm, see, that's the problem. How about the guy who says, God's my co-pilot. Well, you're in the wrong seat. Or God's got, God, uh, I have my hand on the throttle. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of this ship. I'm the one that makes all the decisions. Now, God does put men in charge of things to make decisions, but they should be godly ones. They should be ones that glorify God. New carpet on the floor, new painting on the walls. Yeah, those things need to be updated and done once in a while. Not updated, but maybe that's they're threadbare and worn or peeling. Those are things that, yeah, man needs to look at, keep the house of God looking good. But we also have to think about how much is that going to cost. Do we really need a new bus? Or do we really need a new lawnmower? Or do we need this or we need that? The things that are big that really could have went into a ministry, a real one, not the ministry of grass mowing, not the ministry of, wow, look at our building, isn't it nice? Now, we want the building to look nice because some people are superficial. They won't come in if it looks like a dump. I can't blame them. And it should, you know, respect this place that we set aside for Christ. Respect it. I hear guy, oh, I won't even call it a sanctuary. That's, you know, Catholic. That's stupid. It means set apart a room, set apart. For the worshiping of God. Sanctuary. Now that's a word that's been hijacked by politics and all the other stuff. You know, it's a sanctuary city and all that. But when you have a church, you have some place in that church that should be considered set apart for one purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God, to exalt Christ in all ways. If it's being used for anything else, that's a mess. Now, you know, a lot of churches have basketball, gymnasiums, and I I really don't have a problem with that. As long as it's not being rented out to the local rock group or boy band or whatever keep that as well the whole building should be respected as a place where people equate the presence of god now i look at a building differently and god does as well the building he's interested in is the one that you are and i am Our bodies, are they not the temple of the Holy Ghost? Are they not as well a sanctuary? Are we not a peculiar people set apart by God, as Peter told us? Therefore, we need to act like it. You know, when you're 
I don't care, you know, even if you're by yourself, I've said it before, we are an audience of one. The most important one that we are an audience to is God himself. How we act in public does make a difference, and it makes it should we should be doing what we're supposed to do. So that people can say, hey, there's the preacher, there's the deacon, there's the elder, whatever. And not, can you believe that guy? Because that happens. We need to start really looking for, you know, people are always looking you know, for the, for like, say you're looking for a pastor for your church. And there's churches all over the place that are doing it and having trouble finding one. But see, they've, they've narrowed their view down to, we need to have a specific kind. He can't be too hard. He's got to be one that wants to build the church up. Well, that's a good idea. That's, that's actually a good thing. But when you preach an uncompromising gospel to people, they don't want to hear it. Guys that do that don't have huge followings. Guys that do that don't have great big churches set apart from, unless God's decided it. There are people who are hungry, but can you get enough in one community that's willing to do it? It's very difficult to get people excited about Jesus anymore. It's very difficult to engage them and keep them happy in the teachings of the Word of God. They want to hear one verse, bunch of bunch of fluff, bunch of stuff, sing a song out the door. Titus 2.13. Here's something that, you know, is mistaught. Well, let's go to Titus 2.12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Did you read? Did you hear that? Titus 2.12. Now, Titus 2.13 you hear all kinds of uh, wonderful things, and you're, well, we're going to read it. Teaching us that, comma, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, comma, righteously, comma, and godly in this present world. Now, what does that mean? Doesn't that just say it? You're supposed to be open. Your brain should be unclouded by anything. Oh, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. The lusts of this world are not just sex. I think everybody that's listening to me is old enough for me to talk to you very plainly. It's not just looking and leering at the person across the room from you and saying, whoa, the lusts of this world go deep. The lusts of some men are power and money. The lusts of some are the next sports car that they can afford to buy or the, or the next conquest of whatever type it may be. And we're going way high now, like the wars that are going on all around us. There are ungodly men who want more of that. They want the bloodshed. They want the broken bodies. They don't care. They're not going to be in it. Their kids aren't going to be in it. They can visit the, the place where it's happening, where it doesn't seem like anything's really happening. But what does it say about us? We should. That's, a, that's you and me, Christian. If you're listening to me, you're Christian. We should live soberly. We should live soberly. 
I got five minutes. I did not plan this. We should live soberly. I think we should break that one down just a hair so it doesn't get caught up in just being, oh, drunken. No, it's not what that really means. Although it can go there, okay, folks? It can go there. The only place that this word, particularly this Greek word, is used is in this, in this uh, verse right here. Titus 2.12, that we should live soberly. What does that mean? With a sound mind. Keeping your mind unclouded by junk, whether it be dope, alcohol, which is a dope, or just all the other things that can happen to us. The invasion of the news, which can drag you down horribly, uh, but also, you know, it means to be lived temperately and discreetly. That's what God's looking for in his people. That's what God wants in his people. He doesn't want people who are going to just sit there and say, oh, I'm saved, I can do it all. Paul's telling Timothy, I want you or he says, God, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, comma, that's verse 11, teaching us that, denying ungodliness, worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. You know, while we're here, while we're blessed with the ability to, to draw breath here on planet Earth, that's what God's looking for. That's what he wants to see from us. He wants to see us try to live lives that reflect Jesus. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation means our manner of living. You, you act like you're already there. You act like you belong there. But see, Second uh, Timothy four eight to one to everybody. There's there, henceforth there's laid up a crown of righteousness for you. Yeah, righteousness. If you act righteous, not if you act any way you want. You can't get a crown of righteousness just for saying the prayer for five seconds. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. You get the crown of righteousness because you attempted or you strived for righteousness. Okay, go on. All right, we're still back in Titus 2. We read Titus 2, 11 and 12. Here's 13. Everybody's heard this one. It's in the pre-trib camp anyway. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice it says looking for that blessed hope. That's it. Oh, that's the rapture of the church. It may be in a different context than you may think. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Appearing. They say the pre-tribulation rapture, you don't know he came, except that people disappear. <clears throat> Comma at the end of that one, 2.13, sorry, 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, comma, 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous for good works. Now, as we close today, how zealous for good works are you? Do you even care? Or do you just pin all your hopes on the fact that I'm not lusting and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that? But it says he might redeem us from all iniquity. Now he redeems us from iniquity that we've already committed, but he wants to purify you. He doesn't want you to keep committing 
iniquitous sins. You know, when you say all, I guess that means past, present, and future. We'll parse that out at a later date. What I talk about is striving, my goodness, striving to do the right thing, striving to get ahead in this life because it's so easy to get behind. It's so easy to listen to the easy-peasy, Japanesey, greasy gospel that tells you, oh, go do what you want. You made a commitment to Jesus. You make a commitment to your wife and you still sin on her? Think about it. I've yelled enough. Tom Richardson, February 22, 2023. Remember the folks in East Palestine. If you want to help them, let me know. I'll guide you in the right direction.